Hey everyone, it's Brandon Lee. Welcome to this episode of Escaping Rock Bottom, the podcast. Um, I love the guest you're going to have on today, and you're going to be able to listen to his story. Um, I will say it's Clayton Etchard, and I've never watched The Bachelor. Clayton, no. <laughs> Obviously, we know of the show. I've Might never watched best. it. I've never watched this show. And even my friends are like, dude. You've never seen The Bachelor, and I'm like, I haven't. Um, <laughs> but uh, you were see- you were Bachelor on season number 28, like The Bachelor, right? Something like that. I think it was 26. 26. Again, okay. I could see, be. I don't even know. I could be off because I'm kind of like I you. trust you a lot better than well, I would trust. I don't me know if you should <laughs> because I have probably watched it as much as you have. Okay. Truthfully, that's it was a whole shock to my system. My mom had always watched it growing up. My ex girlfriends used to watch it. Yeah, and I had the opportunity to go on, and I thought, well, I mean. I know the show. It yeah, seems like a cool sure. opportunity. Yeah. So sure, let's take it. Okay, cool. So, um, but you were uh, a contestant mm-hmm. on this show yeah. prior, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I first started, that's typically what they do, not always, but uh, they have you be a contestant, one of 30 other men, uh, and you fight for the heart of one woman. And then uh, from there, they usually choose somebody from that season to end up being the up and coming bachelor. Okay, well, let's just get right into it. So what was that experience like? It was a lot. Uh, it, it, it was tumultuous at times. Uh, it, it was defeating. Uh, but for me, where I stand today, it was as, as positive as, as of an experience as it could be. Because even though I just talked about how tumultuous that, that it was at points, I felt found the silver lining in it all. And for me, that's I call that silver lining, just finding the positives amongst the negatives. So I went in this very reflective period of my life in the last six to seven months probably and started to look at everything that I had done and then said, okay, why did this happen for me? Uh, not to me. Uh, this is something that I had someone say stress that life happens for us. And that's one you want to start shifting this mindset. Um, and when you start to believe that everything happens for a reason, then you can start to see the value in every single thing. So that's where I stand today is uh, that's a big motto I live by. It's on my phone. Uh, It's actually my phone's background with the artwork that we did. Yes, awesome. Uh, So I have it, the artwork with everything happens for a reason, don't give up. And that's a constant reminder to me. But I love it because I truly believe everything happens for a reason, not just some things, but every conversation, every interaction, every type of situation that comes my way, I see value in it. Uh, And so that's been a really cool place to get to. All right. So I know we kind of jumped right into to, to your life on The Bachelor, just because I know a lot of the people who are going to end up watching this are going to be recognizing you from that. So we're going to start there. We're actually going to go back to the very beginning, and then we'll kind of catch back up to what, what is recently going on with you. Um, I, I love for people to get to know, A, who you are, um, some of the background. I, I usually take people back to their childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, would, what was your childhood like? Like, where were you born and raised? Yeah, born and raised in Eureka, Missouri, which is about 45 minutes west of St. Louis. It was a small town uh, where everybody knew everybody. Friday Night Lights was the big thing. Everyone would go to the football games. uh, And it was just a really close-knit community. Uh, but with that, uh, there was, there were a lot of great things, but then also, uh, I started to struggle. My mental health, uh, journey began uh, around seventh grade. Mm. Uh, I started to get bullied at that age. I made the switch from a Lutheran school to a public school. Uh, and I was bullied for my beliefs. I was, you know, the, the Christian kid that was waiting until marriage and, and wouldn't cuss, 
and uh, it was it was qu- somewhat quiet, and so uh, I was picked on for that for not cussing because I wasn't fitting in with the other kids. I wasn't having the same conversations. I uh, at the time I was you know waiting till marriage in my head, and seventh grade is very early to even be considering that. But I I didn't even really want to engage with that with women. I was like I'll wait. Uh, and so I was picked on for that reason. And then, uh, you know, as I started to get into, um, physical altercations and just bullied on a daily basis, I started to feel that I wasn't good enough because mm-hmm. I felt, Hey, my peers, uh, constantly want to pick on me versus other individuals. So there must be something wrong with me. Uh, and I found out that of course, uh, back then before I was emotionally intelligent enough to understand, as I started to reflect within and say, you know, I, I must not be good enough, good enough. I started to attack the physical aspects of myself because that was what I saw in the mirror every day. And so I, that's when I started to develop body dysmorphia. I thought, I'm not good enough. Why do people not accept me for who I am? And I started to look in the mirror and started to see things I didn't like. And then I started to project and say, that's why you know, no girls want to date you. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I was just a little bit awkward. I mean, I just wasn't as a smooth talker, which is fine. But I took that as, okay, I lacked the experience because I hadn't ever really talked to women prior in my Lutheran school. Uh, so all of a sudden I get in this new environment and I'm just not as smooth as the other guys are. But I attributed it to, oh, I'm just not desirable. It's not what I'm saying. It's not the lack of experience that I can gain and then be right there with everybody else. It's, oh no, it's, it's the way that you look. It's the way that you are. Mm. That's what people don't like about you. You know, it's interesting. So that's a lot of childhood trauma. And I, you know, when I speak around the country, I tell people uh, being bullied in school at those young ages is a traumatic life experience for Mm -hmm. a child. Um, I was bullied as well. Um, you know, and, and I also, it's it's fascinating because you just recently did a post on social media talking about body dysmorphia, and, yeah. and you showed a picture of yourself as a very young child, mm-hmm. maybe 13. Right around there, yeah. Right around that age, junior high school, middle school. Yeah. And um, I remember that too, and I don't think we talk about body dysmorphia enough mm-hmm. when it comes to men. Yeah. Um, because body dysmorphia are guys who are constantly using steroids that you see at the gym Mm -hmm. who look like incredible Hulk, but society doesn't look at that as a bad thing because we think, Oh, they're fit. They're muscular. That's gotta be healthy. Mm -hmm. It's not when you're putting a foreign substance into your body in order to achieve a look that your body naturally should not be able to achieve. Mm It's a mental health issue, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're not able to look at ourselves in the mirror and love that reflection. So we continue to strive to be something we are truly not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know this to be true because I was ultra skinny and like could not put weight on. Mm -hmm. I was a great soccer player. So I was, and I was a cross country runner. So naturally those two sports and tennis don't allow for your body to build on a ton of muscle mass because you're doing so much cardio work, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I was always skinny and I would always be around all these other guys who were like bigger in football and they were just thicker, you know? And so up until my mid twenties, I was using steroids to achieve that and putting like illegal substances into my body Mm -hmm. because I never liked the reflection in the mirror. And it wasn't until I got sober, one of my sponsors in recovery looked at me and she goes, how long did you use steroids? How long have you been on them? And I said, like 10 years. And she goes, okay. She goes, that's a long enough sample size. Was there ever a time on that journey that you were using steroids 
that you looked in the mirror and said, I made it. I love the way I look. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I said, no. Mm -hmm. She goes, okay. You've done it your way for 10 years and you never achieved happiness. Yeah. She goes, so now you're going to do it my way. You're never going to use steroids again. You're going to get rid of all those protein shakes that have 3,000 plus calories in it. Mm -hmm. You're going to get rid of it. Yeah. And you're not going to do that. Clayton, within one year, one year, I remember there was a moment and I looked myself in the mirror. Now, granted, I was in my late, late 20s at this time. And I looked in the mirror for the first time. And I remember I like the way I look. You know, and so I, I think it's great that you spoke about body dysmorphia on social media. You're somebody that has a large platform and has a large audience to listen to. And I was just really proud. I think you posted it yesterday, the day before yesterday, because I was looking at that. And I was like, God, it's so great for somebody like Clayton, who will get to your, your, your football career and your, you know, your pro career at that time, because um, I think it's important for people like you to talk about body dysmorphia, you know, um, because it's something it's a conversation where a lot of people don't go when it comes to men. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's a lot I want to dissect there with what you said. But the first thing I want to ask, though, is a question. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you've overcome it when it comes to body dysmorphia? Or do you feel that you've just gotten to a place where you better manage it? And I ask this question mm -hmm. because I'm at a place where I'm better managing it. But I, I do wonder, I, I have not overcome it. And I wonder if that's even possible uh, because in my eyes, you know, can I, I'm, I'm, my thought is, is I have to come to a place where I can accept what happened to me in the past, come to terms with it and know that my value is not based in what others think. It's what I believe, but can I fully switch that mindset? And I, and I'm not sure of that right now. So I am curious where with you, you know, talking about how you change it up, you stop taking steroids, you stop doing the mass gainers today. Would you say that you've overcome it or do you still have those moments where you reflect upon it? Yeah, so I would say that when I began uh, healing my inner child, doing true inner child healing work, which was two years ago, almost mm -hmm. to the day in January 2021, I began doing inner child healing work and going back to that little boy who was bullied, who was beaten, who was teased, made fun of, and healing that inner child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you really start to pay attention to that and I look at how I live my life today, I do not go to the gym to lift weights. I hate it. And all my friends do like they mm -hmm. go to the gym daily. It's like a ritual for them and they're lifting heavy weights and they set all these goals for themselves to like squat this much and do this much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't go to the gym. I play tennis. And my thing is this. Um, even though I just got a gym membership to lifetime, mm -hmm. uh, more because like, if I want to go like run, do cardio and then head up to the pool, like mm -hmm. their pool is badass over at the lifetime over at the yeah. Billmore. Yeah. Um, check it out. but like, I'm not a guy that goes there and like, Ur, you know, like lifting all these dumbbells and all my, you know, my friends are like, dude, man, you should like get back into lifting and did it up. You know, my answer to them is because, cause it brings me no joy. Mm -hmm. I get zero dopamine rush. Yeah. Like I loathe it. I play tennis because tennis, like, dude, I just feel the dopamine flushing in my brain and I love it. And so it, it wasn't until I would say in this last two years, probably a year and a half, cause it took me a good solid six to eight months to really begin that inner child healing work where I actually feel like I was able to reprocess a lot of that bullying. Yeah. And so now I look at my life and like, honestly, I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And I used to care because I used to think I would have to put on so much size in order to attract a certain kind of guy into my life. Yeah. Because I was like, he'll. Ne I used to have this belief like 
that guy will never go after me unless I look like this and have this much muscle and be this ripped, right? Mm -hmm. But now I don't care. And I think too, what I'm grateful for is that I'm not trying to, I'm not striving to be something for somebody anymore. That's not my authentic self. Because the reality is, if we become something that is not our authentic selves, Mm -hmm. to win over the heart of somebody else, it may win them over initially, but eventually your authentic self will eventually come out and that relationship will fail because you presented yourself in a non-authentic way. And that's what they expect out of you. Correct. That's that's what you've now made normal. Correct. So I would say to answer your question, I finally have found peace with my body and the way I look only after I did inner child healing work. Also, too, uh, I find it interesting, and I want to follow up. Uh, you talked about um, like removing the stimulus of working out, of lifting heavy weights. Do you feel that if you were to go back and do that, uh, that it would be triggering, or or that it would? Did you kind of associate lifting weights with um, having that body dysmorphia, and so you felt okay? I have to remove this stimuli from my life in in order to fully heal. Because you just you made the comment about how now you do tennis and you enjoy that. Is there, was there an association between body dysmorphia and lifting weights for you in particular? There was not. And, okay. and I will say this. I mean, I guess I'm lying. I'll call myself out. Like, I'll lift a 25-pound dumbbell to do bicep curls, but 25 pounds, let's, let's, let's give me a break. That's not like gaining mass. Okay? So, like, so if I'm, you're not gaining mass with 25 pounds well, as, It depends on the person. It depends yeah, on the right. person. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'll go in there and do that just to give me more strength for tennis, mm-hmm. um, But uh, which is the reason why I ended up going back to lifetime. But... Um, as far as like me doing my 25 pound just yeah. to keep the muscle strong mm-hmm. but not gain mass, I haven't found it triggering at all. Okay. And the only thing I can allude that to again is going back. I believe this that if you go back and you heal your inner child, you will not be triggered. Mm-hmm. The reason why people are triggered and they end up falling back into old bad behaviors is because they never went back to heal the trauma from their childhood. Mm -hmm. That's how people are triggered. So there are people with three or four years and they have substance use disorder and they'll they'll maintain three or four years of sobriety, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, something will happen. They know that doing drugs is not good. They know drinking for them is not good. But something happens to them, Clayton, and they get triggered by someone or something Mm -hmm. and they immediately go back to that behavior. Mm -hmm. They got triggered because of unhealed parts within them, unhealed childhood parts within them. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, I even saw this on a, a wider scale with uh, individuals on, when I was on the show and people in my DMs sending me nasty messages. Mm, it, taking I, you back to that little boy who was bullied. Well, it took it took me back, but I also then started to realize that um, you know individuals were projecting. And it's not that they hated me like they said. They hated what I reminded them of. Correct. And that's what it is, is I'm reminding them of their past and something that they haven't fully healed from. Uh, but it goes both ways also, too. I know that for me... Uh, there was a lot of trauma that I just pushed off because I was told as a child and growing up in the environment, especially in a football environment, was uh, to, a real man is physical. He doesn't need to be emotional. He cries behind closed doors. You know, he, he fights it out. So if you have a problem with somebody, you, you fight. You, you throw punches. You don't talk it out. Uh, and if you do feel emotional, you better suppress it because if you don't, then every other man in that room is going to judge you for it and it's going to see you as lesser. And that was the way that it was presented to me. Mm. Uh, and I did cry early on uh, at, at parties. I remember one time a rock dropped on this girl's foot that I liked. She started crying. 
I started crying in response because I just felt bad for her. And I was bullied and bullied for years to come in that, in that situation because Clayton, it's not even your foot. You're crying because you know, it didn't, the rock didn't land on you. It landed on her. Like, how can you be a man? You can't protect her. You know, and this is where guys started to bully me and pick on me and, and wanted to fight. And so for me personally, then I said, you know what? I'm tired of being bullied and picked on. And I knew if I could amass this size on me, then maybe people would stop picking on me and then I could have the control. And so that's where I built all this size around me to not only just so I had the physical imposing size so that I could save myself from being bullied, but it was also so that I could build this image of you know, the ultimate man. And that's what I found just recently. I've reflected back and I said, why did I go to the NFL? I liked football, but it was more about just all the, all of the validation that I received that I didn't feel that I got as a kid. And and that was all, you know, my perspective, but I felt invalidated growing up. I felt I was in my younger brother's shadows, who was a superstar athlete. Mm. And I saw the way my parents loved on him and I, and I wanted that. And so I'll never forget when I finished high school football and I, and my, I, my dad came up and he, he cried and he hugged me. I said, I'm so proud of you. I cried back. And that was one of those few moments where the two of us got emotional at the same time. I remember the next few days I thought, I said, I don't want this to end. I want my dad to be proud of me. And I saw how proud of he was in that moment. So I want to extend this. That ended up me saying, Hey, I want to walk on at Mizzou. My parents face lit up and I found out right away. I was like, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for them. I want the validation that I feel like I've never had. And I, I see the way that I can achieve it. So I, then I went to play college football. Then I went to the pros. And then when the bachelorette called, it was just, okay, now I always struggled with women and, and, and feeling that I was good enough. So what better way than to become the bachelor, yeah. become the most sought after man, I'm air quoting this, but sought after man in America. It was me trying to convince myself that I'd finally made it, that I finally was man enough. I was finally good enough. And you know what the good thing is, is none of it did it. And I say it's good because it made me realize that you have accomplished all of this and you still haven't healed. You need to quit trying to put things in the way to distract you and, and compile all these accolades to make yourself feel good enough. The only way you're going to feel good enough is if you address all the issues that you've been running from for so long. I mean, it's really profound that you're able to be able to look back and have that perspective on it and know that things on the outside are not going to fix you, that you have to fix yourself. Mm -hmm. And Clayton, we go through certain things in life in order for us to recognize and realize that we have more work to do on ourselves so that we can live our life's purpose. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And so for you, and I understand this, okay? You know, I have no resentment towards my parents anymore because I truly have come to the belief when I started practicing shamanism that I chose my parents before my soul entered this life for the lessons good and bad that they would teach me so that my soul could live its purpose here on earth. Mm -hmm. Once I really was taught that belief and I believe in it wholeheartedly, it allowed me to remove all resentment towards my parents because I chose them. Mm -hmm. They didn't choose me. I chose them. Now, as a child, I felt the only time I was hugged or celebrated was when I achieved something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not just a, hey, it's a random Tuesday, son. I love you. Yeah. It was, you just 
won this national soccer tournament. Amazing. You just won CIF three years in a row. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Oh my gosh, you won an Emmy. Amazing. That's when I would hear from them. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so what I found looking back was that I was doing things that did not make me happy. But as a child, we still seek that approval from our parents. Absolutely. And so I began doing things in my own life that did not make me happy, but it was to earn the praise of them. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't stop there. I was miserable being a journalist the last five to 10 years of my career. Mm -hmm. But I did that because my body was still seeking the nurturing and the praise from not just my family. I needed it from others. Absolutely. To fill a void in me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But now that I've been able to heal that little boy who didn't always get the I love yous, go back and heal that little seven, eight, nine-year-old who was abused mm -hmm. and tell him, I love you, I got you, and I will always stand up and fight for you. Mm -hmm. I find myself less and less and less and less ever seeking the attention and adoration of others. And I will tell you this, when I began shamanism and doing inner child healing work in January of 2021, within eight months of beginning shamanism, I walked away from the spotlight of news. And it was during those months I cried even more because it was torturous walking on set, mm -hmm. feeling all of the cameras on me, and all the people watching. Yeah. I didn't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go to the grocery store and never be recognized. I wanted to go to the pharmacy and never be recognized. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be normal. Yeah. Ooh, I'm getting chills because uh, I, I feel that was not too long ago that I fell into the same headspace. For me, uh, I was thrown up on, you know, in, in front of all the lights, lights, camera, action, boom, I'm the bachelor, I'm on the biggest stage, five, six million people watching every week. And all of a sudden, every single action that I was taking was being judged. And it got so bad to the point where I had developed social anxiety, where I felt that everyone that looked at me on the street was judging me correct because i saw it online so i figured well hey these people that are all here living online live out in the real world too so if somebody even just looks at me and glances at me i thought they're probably thinking in their head one of those derogatory comments that have you know of the thousands of messages that were sent to me and it was really quickly that i i remember just pleading and praying about it and saying i just want to go back to normal i don't want this anymore and it's interesting because a lot of people say you know, you always want what you can't have. And then, yeah, it's like, that's the case. You have it, you get it. All of a sudden you now have the experience, the understanding, mm -hmm. the insight to realize this is what it actually is. Because there are a lot of people that speak from a place of an experience. Well, I think this is how this person is. And we like to just project. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where I've found that projections are dangerous because we, I mean, when you do it to other people, it, you just don't know if that projection will fit the mold of that individual. We are way too unique to just go ahead and throw out stereotypes and, and assume everyone falls into these categories. But on the flip side too, I mean, we project all the time and I think that's our egos uh, that are projecting to protect us. 
And what I've found in the, in this now new journey of mindfulness, something that I never practiced because growing up, again, I was told that uh, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. Uh, don't listen to the voices in your head. And so I would kind of suppress them. I thought that's just, that is a part of me. I know it to be a part of me. I don't know why I'm thinking these things, but I never addressed why. And a lot of that's emotional maturity. When you're a young kid, I mean, you don't think to stop and say, why am I thinking that? No, your frontal lobe isn't fully formed. No, but you just hurt, react. You react, but yeah. hurt people hurt people. Absolutely, yeah. Right, they do. And healed people heal people. Yeah. And so a lot of the people that write those nasty comments, I've mm-hmm. been on the receiving end of a lot of that as well, just being a journalist, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the high profile jobs that I had in Boston, New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Arizona, mm-hmm. right? I would open up those inboxes. Yeah. Did you know that eventually I just stopped? I stopped opening up those inboxes. You know, I just, I couldn't read any, read them anymore and, mm-hmm. and probably never read some really nice things that were mm-hmm. said, yeah. but also escaping all those negative things, but also coming to an understanding that I no longer need to read any of those comments Yeah, and because I don't need it, I don't need those nice comments being said to me for my own self-esteem anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't just don't even need to go in there anymore. Yeah. Um, and I haven't in a really long time, but also understanding there's a lot of hurt people out there. And when they see somebody achieving happiness or success and they're not there, mm-hmm. they will find any way to hate on that person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I totally, and I was told to do this as well to, um, you know, avoid those, those environments. If you can avoid them now with digital online, uh, you can not open the messages and it's as simple as that. You can block individuals. We have tools where we can remove ourselves yeah. uh, so that we're not able to see what someone says about us. And I have done that uh, multiple times. I blocked hundreds of people at this point. Good. Uh, but you know what I found was really cool was I actually started to, when I got to a place mentally where I felt comfortable to do so, I started to address those individuals that were sending those mean comments to me. And I kept it real simple. I, I just would say to them, I, 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 you have every right to feel the way that you do and I respect your opinion, but can I ask you why you felt the need to send this to me? And I kid you not, it might be a hundred percent of the time. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's dang near close to it. Every time I ask that simple question, typically what I get a response is, is, you know, I'm so sorry. Right. I, I, I honestly, you reminded me of an ex uh, boyfriend yep. or, you know, you reminded me of this bully growing up. They were triggered uh, and they were triggered. And I found it so powerful where I realized these individuals are crying out for help. Correct. They don't realize it. Correct. But in that moment, when I ask them a question, all I'm doing is making them be mindful. I'm, I'm saying, why are you saying this? And I'm getting them to reflect back on their own words. And that's where I see the power in this now. So I do welcome those messages. I'm not telling people, hey, come into my DMs and and tear me apart. (laughs) But when when somebody does that, I'm like, this is a moment where I can get them to be mindful. For some people, it might be for the first time. Because I just don't think it's practice. I don't. I don't ever remember up until this last year ever hearing about mindfulness. Uh, I remember I heard about manifesting mm-hmm. uh, like four years ago. Some girl I was talking to, and she said manifesting, and I said, "What is that?" 
because it's when you, you you believe in something and then you, you basically create it. Create the it. The so brings it, it to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that is, that's some witchcraft. That's yeah. what I thought. I'm like, I this sounds this manifestation. And I said, this sounds ridiculous. And I, you know what I did? I said, this sounds like, uh, you know, you, you should probably have some crystals in your pocket too. And you're, I and, have crystals in my office. Okay. <laughs> and, but that's the thing is that at the time it was ignorance yeah. on my part yeah. where I thought you're crazy. That is, that's where I went. I didn't say it to her, yeah. but I was like, okay, yeah, manifest. All right. That's, yeah. there's a reason why I haven't heard that word. And I thought it, I hadn't heard it because no one else was practicing it. And most people probably weren't, but I didn't know the power in it yeah. until I started to do it myself. And then as I started to just ask questions, I would feel a certain way and I would just step back and go, why? Why did you just react that way? What is it? Why, why are you, why are you, why is that the response that, that you, that you feel is necessary to, uh, to give somebody? And almost every time it went back to your bullying, you said that to upset somebody because of the pain you're still feeling as a kid. Mm. You're, 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 you're cutting deep with that comment because you're just used to other people doing it to you. And so you just, you're doing it back. And so I have those moments, but now being more conscious of them, you start to realize you have control over it. And I started to disassociate the thoughts in my head from me, you know, me versus the ego. I'm like, yeah. I have an ego that's meant to protect me and help me navigate this world. But sometimes it's, sometimes it's beneficial, right? It tells us, you know, when we stand up over the edge of a cliff, it, cliff, it'll say, don't jump, right? Sometimes we get that weird thought in our head where it's like jump and you're like, where's this coming from, right? Or we have these thoughts sometimes that just kind of surface, bubble up. I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Um, but then we, it, it protects us. It'll say, you know, don't walk down a dark alley. Uh, be cautious, be on alert when you're doing that. So we have this ego that's meant to protect us, but sometimes I kind of feel like it's the overbearing parent is, is what I've started to relate it to, the overprotective parent where it, it, it will start to say, be careful, right. you know, don't, don't go up and talk to that person. They may be mean to you. And I think I just had this thought recently. Um, I have a fear of failure uh, and that stems from my childhood and uh, the times where I did fail, it started to just ingrain in me that if I ever step outside of my comfort zone, I'm more likely to fail which is probably true. I mean, when you go outside your comfort zone, what you know, you're going to fail probably, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that you can learn a lesson in that moment and develop that skill set to become more comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. So now I welcome discomfort, but back then I didn't. And I thought about, you know, all the times when, you know, for instance, whether it's like you see a cute girl for me, I see a cute girl out, um, at a bar or at the gym, my ego says, don't go up and approach her. Don't do it. Like she can make you look stupid in front of everybody. Yeah. Uh, and why? Mm. Cause I had one or two instances in the past where like someone made me feel dumb when I did it. So now I'm attributing it every time. Correct. Or I thought, thought about when I was in medical sales and, uh, I had to go talk to a surgeon and I remember half the time I'd be too afraid to go up and talk to him. And, and why? Because I had a coworker tell me one time he went up to a surgeon and asked if he could speak with him and he just started screaming at him in front of everybody. So again, I take these other experiences, whether they're my own or somebody else's and I go, okay, you know, I, my, my ego's like, protect yourself. Don't go up and talk to that surgeon. Cause I'm projecting that he's going to be extremely rude and scream at me. In reality, it's never what you think it's going to be often. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect perspective. I mean, I can definitely relate. I can definitely relate to a lot of that. And by the way, yes, you are correct. It comes from a lot of childlike parts of that insecurity. Um, okay. So listen, my, my producer, um, from the morning show is like giving me the rap being like, I got you. I see you over there. We're, we're wrapping All up. Right. Um, so we're going to continue the conversation on our morning show. Good morning, sunshine. It. Um, it's great to have Clayton here in the podcast studio for escaping rock bottom. Um, so go ahead, check it out on YouTube. Good morning, sunshine. Uh, Clayton's uh, really jumping 
jumping headfirst into the behavioral health, uh, mental health side of things. Clearly, he's very educated about it because he speaks very fluently in that language. Um, so I'm really proud uh, that he's actually getting into that space because it's really important with the platform that you have to be able to share that experience, strength, and knowledge with other people who are definitely uh, going to relate to a lot of your story. So uh, we will see you back here for the next episode. You can listen to more of Clayton's story on Good Morning Sunshine.